Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to share, excuse me, a few words with you this morning. Really just about, really just about our seeking heaven. You know, and we're going to resume on the blood next week. There's a reason you don't have notes this week. To this week for me was just, just crazy. You know, God gave so many words during that event publicly and privately. You know, Heidi gave this whole word to us about buildings and just seeing all these buildings reclaimed around New England. And can I tell you, within 24 hours, things started happening like it would just blow your mind. And but at the same time, I mean, miracles, testimonies, Sunday at two. I mean, we prayed for the sick for five hours Saturday afternoon. I think it was four and a half hour service. And so many testimonies, all the things God did, we thank the Lord for that. But at the very same time, though, as this is taking place, I'm watching a whole nother dynamic of people. Some people that, you know, I mean, I heard from people that were not in this room, people that used to gather when God would move in the past, you know, just just confessing their dryness, you know, maybe sharing their perspective, you know, maybe some felt like they've given up or lost hope and you know, one thing that happens when God begins to move is we're immediately confronted with our lack, right? It's like, man, you're so awesome, God. Oh, I just want to be a little bit stronger in these areas. You know what I mean? It's like, man, I want my faith level to rise. I want to believe for more, you know? How many people said, man, we just don't see people pray for miracles anymore? And I thought, that's ridiculous. I mean, we can't just sing that he's a God of miracles and then not live this. Do you know what I mean? And I began to think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the Bible says, is really in Isaiah 40, verse 3, we hear about John the Baptist um, at at the beginning of the word. And it says that John the Baptist would be a voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. So John the Baptist is prophesied on early in the Bible, right? We hear a little bit about there'll be some voice in the wilderness and and, and we clearly see that he's anointed. And then Luke chapter 1, which I'll turn there. You might have to write a lot of these scriptures down. Don't just take my word for it. In Luke chapter 1, we hear of this crazy encounter. Mary, just Jesus' mother, just gets done hearing like she's pregnant. I mean, that's just intense. Um, you know, listen, when couples try and they get pregnant, the morning after is still a little bit of a blur. Come on now. Mary was not in a relationship, was not expecting this, and she's pregnant, okay? So the morning after was a little blurry. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, is the first time we see John the Baptist on the scene. John the Baptist makes an appearance in this story in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, and it says this. Uh, now, verse 39. Now Mary... Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered in the house of Zacharias and and Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, this is not not just insignificant. Mary was still questionably wondering, right? 
Mary was like, man, I'm pondering. She called it this thing. Like, how dare you call the Lord a thing, right? I mean, just listen, she's a girl. Give her time to process. You know what I'm saying? She's still trying to comprehend and swallow the fact that Jesus Christ is, is like conceived in her. And her and Mary, so they'd be cousins. Mary comes to her. I'm talking about John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. Mary comes in. And Elizabeth greets her, not knowing anything, and John the Baptist is inside of, of Elizabeth's stomach and leaps within her when she hears Mary's greeting and Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. We could, we could argue that John the Baptist was the first one ever on this earth to recognize Jesus. Come on now. We could argue. You want to talk about discernment? You want to talk about I mean, if you're still wondering if there's life in a pregnancy, then you're in the wrong room. You hear what I'm saying? John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb just at the presence. Come on, we got pregnant babies all over this room. We almost outnumbered by babies this morning. If two pregnant people are in the same room and they're leaping and understanding each other, man, that's amazing. So John the Baptist, right off the bat, right in the womb, Start showing, I'm going to recognize Christ. I got a part to play in this thing. To be honest with you, in Matthew 11, 11, Jesus went on to say, from all the men that has been birthed from women, none is greater than John the Baptist. Did you just hear what I said? I'm not being crazy. I'm not being evangelistic. Out of all the men that have been born from women, till that time, come on, because we ain't been born yet. Come on now, Chris. None have been greater than John the Baptist. So for Jesus to say those words about you, man, you're a pretty important part in this thing. You follow me? And so Isaiah promised us John was coming. John leaps in his mother's womb and recognized Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, you just read the whole chapter. You know, John steps on the scene in verse 4, and it's like filled with camel's hair, eating locusts. I mean, this dude was renegade, bro. He's in the wilderness. No one quite knows what he's doing. And he's telling you, I'm a voice in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord. Jesus mentioned that John the Baptist came in the same power and spirit of Elisha. I mean, bro, let me sign up to play him in a play. You know what I'm saying? This character is awesome. And John the Baptist, not only that, but then he would say, listen, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But him that's coming is greater than I. I'm not worthy to bear his sandals. He's going to baptize you with the spirit, water, and fire. The, the, and he's talking about Jesus. The one, he's preparing the way of the Lord. So John the Baptist plays, and, and side note, on the experience meter... Does it get any crazier than baptizing Jesus and then the heaven literally opens? I'm not talking about the weirdos that walk up in here and be like, yeah, I just see, you know, unicorns up there. I mean, don't be, come on. I'm not talking about you eating some pepperoni pizza and seeing something. Weird. I'm talking about the dude legitimately was in the water and the heaven went, Urgh. bro, you win. You follow what I'm saying? You win. And a dove came down, a voice cries out. I mean, that, we're not talking about like, man, I just feel. No, bro, you just got stereo from God yelled out in this mug. You know what I'm saying? This dude's screaming. There ain't no doubt. If you didn't even believe in God, you believe. You follow what I'm saying? There's just no question. You just saw that the, the sky part. And you get the opportunity and the privilege to baptize Jesus, which I mean, come on, bro. There's only one of them in the world. This one of one. You baptize Jesus, bro. 
no matter what happens in your life, you're the dude that we come around your feet, bro, as an old dude, and it's like you baptized Jesus. Come on now. So to say that John played a huge part in this story, yeah, you think? And John, God used him in a powerful way. As the story progresses, we find John, uh, King Herod put him in prison. Some stuff happened with family and values, and he got caught and was found guilty, and he finds himself in prison. That's all right, because the Lord is still here. You know what I mean? So he's in prison probably a little longer than he wanted. Maybe the voice wasn't as loud. And John, we see him pop up in Matthew chapter 11. You can turn there with me. John pops up on the scene. I mean, it's important. It's John the Baptist, dude. It don't matter what he says. He, John the Baptist wants to talk to you this morning, and his disciples are coming with a message. I mean, you couldn't make this up in a movie, bro. This is like... This is like, you know, the movie of this, and here's John again coming back, and we know John. We love us some John, some J.B., John the Baptist. In Matthew 11, it says in verse 1, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve that they departed from there, and they went to teach and preach in their cities. Come on, who would love that job? And when John the Baptist had heard in prison about the works of Christ. We're not saying when John heard about something else. We're not saying when John heard the rumors from Nene and Shanene. You know what I'm saying? No. He heard about the works of Jesus Christ. And he sent two of his disciples to go find Jesus and they said to him, here they go, here's a message from, from J.B., the great and mighty one. Are you the coming Messiah, or should we look for another? What? John the Baptist has one question for, you have one question, bro. You had one job. You could have said something inspiring. He's in prison. He sends two of his dudes to Jesus. And the question, hey, Jesus, do you remember John the Baptist? How could I forget my womb buddy? He has a question for you. Great. I miss John. What does he have to say? Well, John wanted to send word to you. And what John wants to know, anything could come out of his mouth, bro. What John wants to know is, are you the right person? Are you really the Messiah? Or should we look for somebody else? Now, let me tell you this, man. There are so, so, so many things that have to go wrong in your life to publicly talk like this. Do you understand? I get that some of you have to live in your head and it's a crazy space to be in. But when you start to vocalize crazy, friends, then you just start exposing yourself on a whole nother level. There's one thing thinking some of the crazy thoughts that some of you have to live with. But to get how many things have to go wrong for you to be 
Don John in prison and you say to your little disciples, I got a question for Jesus. Come on, gather around. around. What is it, John? What do you, anything you say, man, you're the prophet. What do you want to say? Okay, ask him, write this down. Okay, ask him, are you the Messiah? What? Ask him, are you? You must be thinking, you're lucky I'm not one of those disciples. I'd be like, shut up, old man. Are you nuts? Like, you really don't. Is this a joke? Do you for, have you forgotten who you are? But here we find somebody that it was all good when the heavens were opening up. Everything was gravy when we're eating locusts and everybody was lining up to be baptized. But the minute you find yourself alone and isolated, I'm not talking about one I'm not talking about some random dude that works at Dunkin Donuts. I'm talking about John the Baptist. You know why? Cuz John the Baptist was in prison. And he's hearing about the works of Christ, which at the moment he is not included in. Because one of the things that Jesus Christ was prophesied to do was set the captives free from prison. And John finds himself in the very same predicament and his miracle hasn't happened yet. So please, you, you think I'm just, I've run you up a runway. It's about to get ugly. How many things have to go wrong for you to be the crazy one that saw the works of God, saw the touch of God, and your heart is so far from what God is doing? John the Baptist is in prison, and he's starting to question the very thing he was created on this earth to proclaim. There's a danger. in looking at what doesn't go on in your life. There's a danger. We generally process everything through, what have you done for me lately? Remember the whole Chad thing? We generally are like, I'm not married, everything's going to come back to my singleness. But there's a danger to focus on the things that haven't happened yet. Because listen to me, when you begin to question what hasn't happened yet, you undermine faith. And I'm not talking about drunken Joe at Ernie's on Bank Street. I'm talking about John the Baptist. Out of all the men birthed, there's none greater than him. And he's in prison going, I don't know if you're really him. Why? Because I'm so stuck on my current reality that I can't even see what God is doing. Do you know how many people this past weekend found themselves like John the Baptist. Do you know how many people in this room, do you know how many hundreds and hundreds that never stepped in this building confess that they've given up, confess that they've thrown in the towel, confess that they're not living for God. But these are people that would line up 10 years ago to touch heaven. And now they're in prison wondering, is he the one? You said, no, I never sent a note. No, but your lifestyle is one big question. What do we do in the face when promises haven't happened yet? 
And I pondered that this week. Because John went crazy, man. He just went nuts. And he saw heaven move. And he was a part of things that God did in the past. But now he's living his life as one big question. Mainly because he couldn't see past the bars that were in front of him. When we feed on what hasn't been done, we undermine faith. So many of us love a testimony. We love experiences. We love when God does things around us and it gives us something to kind of hold on to and testify about. But the truth is we can't live on experience alone. If we're only living on experience, then then we're going to judge it when the experience isn't happening. If we're only living on some crazy conference pill, then when that is gone, then you're back to being crazy John behind the bars. Because because there are times in your life that you're not going to hear God's voice as clear. There are times in your life that it's not going to be as evident as it always is. And that's when we go to what we do know, which is the word of God. When I'm not hearing clearly, I, I dive into this Bible until I hear an answer. I don't look to you. I don't read some of your barren Facebook posts and follow the drunk people to try to get joy. When I'm confused, I read this until I hear an answer. When I'm lost, I go back to what I know is true. When I'm confused, when I'm saying, okay, God, clear the air and speak to me, I go back to what I know will never change. And John didn't have the Bible. You do. But he had all those other crazy encounters. But there's a danger in living by experience only. Because when it's not happening to you, then you start start questioning crazy stuff like this. Just triggered the right vein. This past weekend just triggered the right vein. If it's not some crazy worship gathering with 500 churches involved and all these Dove Award winners, you're not getting those kind of meetings in New England. And I say that as a blanket statement because I know what goes on. I'm talking about raw, Holy Spirit, God, do what you want to do. You don't see people. There's like 300 people in line hours last Sunday morning. When that stuff started happening, it's a ripple across New England. People with churches of 5,000, 3,000, Boston, all the big cities, they're calling the church. Because they know there's hungry people. I didn't even know they existed. Well, I do because I talk to them all the time. But at the same time, God's moving in such a powerful way. There's so many behind bars. And it's not, there ain't enough experience that's going to change your mindset. Because your life is a question. Not receiving the answer. And I began to think this week about John the Baptist. And I began to think, what is our response I'm not, I'm not worried about those that were with me. I'm worried about those that aren't. I'm worried about those that are living in a dry place. I'm concerned about those that are in prisons. And they're questioning. You're questioning? Bro, you baptized Jesus. You're questioning? And I've watched it happen. Friends, I've watched it happen in this place a hundred times over. I'm watching it happen with your, some of your lives right now. When things are going well, there's nobody better to be around than some of you guys. When things aren't, you just as crazy as before you got here. 
Everything's good when you're feeling well and you got the job and your income's better. The minute things start drying up in your life, man, your discernment is shot. You don't even seem like you're talking right. The stuff that comes out of your mouth makes me go, what? Because it's easy to hear when things feel right around you. I'm not concerned how you react when things are beautiful, friends. Come on. But nobody gives their life to Jesus. No one. There isn't a person on earth that I know of that have given their life to Jesus because they just won the lottery and they're like, dude, I need to thank someone. Lord, I love you. Come into my heart. No. We give our lives to God, man, because we're broken and we know we need a Savior and we know that there is no life outside of Jesus. And we live this beautiful life, although it would be ideal if all of our families were in, so there's a little bit of tension there. But we love God, we fear God, we honor God, but we have to be careful that not, we're not just moved by experience alone. And it's so important that our response when things aren't going our way is, is still right. Hello. Because it's possible to discern your way out of truth. In your heart, the Bible says you have to guard your heart with all diligence because your heart, you can't trust it all the time. Because out of your heart's going to flow the issues of life. Guard your heart with diligence. Protect your heart. Hello. I've seen some of the most anointed people that I've ever met that are so disenfranchised, so frustrated, so busted, so angry. And they had all the gifting and all the promise in the world, but they got tied up with busted up people in church and they just, it just stole their destiny. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won the championship. Lou Alcindor, he's standing in a, in a sweaty locker room in L.A., and a guy puts a microphone in his face, and he goes, man, you won the championship. I don't know. They won more than I have at one hand. And he goes, you won all the championships. You did all these things. He said, who is the best opponent you ever played against? Because you play, is it Dr. J? Who is the best man you ever played against? Tell me who it is. The dude on live TV goes, it's not even a question. It's Earl Magnagult. And the whole locker room went, who? There, I checked. There's not an Earl Magnagold in the NBA. What are you talking about? No, because Earl Magnagold is in New York City somewhere at the time, known as the greatest of all time as the basketball world. But he was so bound with addiction, this guy could jump flat two feet and pull a quarter off the very, very top of a backboard. Just just not even like a freak of nature. Not even, you don't make them every day. You know what I mean? God filled him with that supernatural ability to do this. But he's so bound by addiction and so struggled with streets that he never, ever, ever could get his life right. Do you know how many people that are that way in the, in, in the life of God, in, in the is children of God? Do you know how many people I meet? that are so passionate and they were so anointed and they had so much vision and then they just got snuffed out, found themselves behind bars like John and now the things that come out of their mouths you can't even take serious. 
if John the Baptist told me, ask Jesus if he's the one, and I know that I know, friends, he wouldn't ask me that. I'd be like, no, I'm not talking like that. Don't even put me around that guy. I don't care who it is. You are nuts, bro. Maybe we need to get you checked for dementia because people that know God don't talk like this. And I see them, man, they're casualties of war. I remember, I think the only other time Heidi Baker ever even came to Connecticut outside of like a private Ivy League thing because she just won't do churches. It was at Gateway. I did everything I could to get her here. My wife and I, do you remember this, hon? We picked her up at the airport. We shadowed her the whole time. Man, they turned away thousands. I'm not kidding. 1,500 people packed out in New Haven. Thousands of people were there. They turned away just as many. It was just so much excitement for the fact that God was just bringing people that are changing the world in our midst. What is that? Nine years and 40 minutes later? You don't get the same response anymore. For today's day, we're like, yeah, man, wow. Eight years and 40 minutes and thousands of people are all set? Don't, don't surprise me. John the Baptist was in prison talking foolish. Do you know how many people are in our area that have been touched by the heart of, heart of God? They've been touched in their life by the anointing, and they're just sitting in prisons wondering if it's real. We were in Jacksonville. I did 30 days. I mean notable miracles, crazy stuff. And the pastors were still getting phone calls from other pastors going, well, is there anything more notable than that? <laughs> Because you've lived so long, so dormant, that it's like you, you can't prod somebody that much to get them to bark anymore. You are, you're, you're just in a stalemate. You don't even trust God. Don't look at my meetings. And I'll tell you right now, Florida's worse. I love New England because it's like, dude, you're either out or you're in. There ain't no middle ground, dude. If there's a middle ground, everyone still thinks it's suspect. Like, oh, you're not real. You know what I mean? You can't fool anybody here. In Florida, everybody's in. They play worship at Walmart. No one knows him. Do you understand what I mean? Everybody's a Christian, but nobody's touched heaven. I can't even move in that room. In New England, nobody's in. Like, it's a few that's in, and the few is like, my God, it's a few. Like, pat yourselves on the back. I love this atmosphere because I feel like I can get through this. Because there's no other option. If you touch heaven, you're never going to go back to anything else. But for some of you that have been walking with God a while, we have to guard our hearts and make sure that we're not just looking for another experience, but that we're going, okay, God, you want to birth some things in my life. And then even though I may not be seeing everything that you're calling me to do, I'm not going to question you. I know that you're true. I know that your words contain life. You know, remember Jesus fed the 5,000, huge experience. Starts talking crazy, eat my flesh, drink my blood, right? The disciples bugged out. The Bible says that they left Jesus and never came back again. I mean, that's a huge church split. That might be greater than John's deal. Jesus, everybody leaves. He turns to Peter. I love Jesus' conflict resolution here. If this was you, you'd be like, please don't leave. I really, I'm really nice. It's not true. 
Jesus looks to Peter and goes, are you going to leave too? Because you can go ahead and go. What? My dude. Peter looks at Jesus. He said, where am I going to go? He says, your words are life. When you speak, I come alive. And I began to think about that time on the road uh, to Emmaus when Jesus was teaching. Remember, he showed up and he disappeared. And then they, they didn't even fully recognize him after he rose. And then they looked at each other and said, man, didn't our hearts burn within us when he opened this? That's the result of touching heaven. And I have hope that there's going to be a generation in New England that are going, man, our hearts did burn. Something has changed when I'm in that. When you open your mouth in other conversations, people come alive. When you are going to have conversations with people that maybe are not where they should be with the Lord, I'm telling you they're going to come alive inside. Because God is aligning your steps to minister to people that are hurting. Side note, we're not condemning John the Baptist because the truth is Jesus went on and on and on and on and on to tell you how awesome John really is. Better than me. Please. I'd be like, I'll call a lightning bolt on that dude. Question me. John knows what's up. And Jesus said, no, there's none greater. And Jesus said, what do you come to see? And he knew in his heart that John knows the truth. And I'm telling you that some of you know the truth. I'm telling you those that are hurting in New England, wandering today, they know the truth. And I see a cage being broken and unleashed. And I see people coming out of prisons. I'm telling you. I see houses of bread being redeemed and restored. I see God. I'm telling you, it's happening. Days after, I'm getting phone calls from people in other cities that are like, I have a building. I have a building. I mean, just crazy stuff. We're watching God. We are in a, a huge time in history where we are watching God begin to touch hearts again. Man, when you soften hearts, you can do anything. But I don't want you this morning to be like John. I don't want you to look at what's not going on in your life. I, man, leave what's not going on in your life. Unless it's a spouse, fix it. We have, to, we have to stop being focused and distracted by the things that don't matter. We, if you're living and all you can look at is, man, I'm not being out of prison. I'm hearing about the works of Jesus. I'm not being, man, nothing comes from that. The man was at the, the gate and he was, I mean, he was at the pool of Bethesda and he's complaining and complaining and playing. Jesus walks up and he's like, listen, everybody's getting healed here. I know it's been 38 years, but my question is, do you want to get well? Like, how dare you say this to me? I'm sitting by a pool. Yeah, but you can be in the atmosphere but not be changed. You can be around the waters and not be touched. And I'm telling you, we want to be whole. We want to be used by God. We want God to transform this region through us. So we have to step in. Even if you're wondering why your promise hasn't happened, we've got to step in. We've got to continually go to what we know is true. And I just felt this morning, it's kind of a house keeping topic, but I feel this morning we cannot allow our hearts. Man, we're all believing for things. I'm believing for things in New England that haven't happened yet. We're all believing for things, but we cannot turn into John at this moment. We can't turn into people that, that aren't honoring God or not living the way they should. There's a danger. We can't have a lack of confidence in what God has spoken to us. And I'm saying, God, make me more aware of what you're doing. The truth is many Christians have stopped being aware, and really they just started 
the truth is they live in reaction to darkness. We're not called to live in reaction to darkness. We're called to breathe life. We're called to be people that stand for what God has called us to do. Make us more aware. Make us more aware. Jesus points to the presence of God and the miracles in his life, right? He said, tell John the Baptist that the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing. Come on now. And the blind are receiving their sight. I thought about when Herod wanted to come kill him. He said, go tell that fox I cast out devils. And I'll die and on the third day I'll be raised up again. I thought about the Pharisees and the Sadducees attacking Jesus. The scripture for this is John 10, 31 through 38 and Luke 13, 31. Jesus says, uh, Jesus said, don't even believe in me, but believe in the evidence of their miracles themselves. What is he saying? The touch of God will settle the issue. Fresh bread will settle the issue. The presence of God will settle the issue. And I, and I began to read the story of Ruth. You know, Ruth and Naomi left Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. There was a famine in the land, but it's, it's funny how the bread of God's presence changes everything. I don't want it to be said of us that we live in reaction to darkness. I don't want it to be said of us that, that we're, you know, you need to be hearing clearer than you've ever heard what God wants to do. And some of you, God wants to restore that heart. Man, life. Life can just make you old and cranky. You find yourself somebody that you're not. John the Baptist, man, I read you his story. Dude was it until this question. Dude had me wondering who he really is. But we have got, we have, we have got to respond. Every promise that God has spoken to you in your life is going to come to pass. Every word that he's promised you is going to come to pass. This is the hour to dream. Not drop your anchor. It's the hour to dream. It's to lift your sail. Let the wind of God catch you. Because I'm believing that everywhere in New England is about to see the fire of God burn. That God can be restored to what he wants to do. In our lives. Let's stand. called you to that hasn't happened, I prophesy hope this morning. Every word that you've received, every desire in your heart that hasn't happened, I'm telling you hope this morning. God, we stand in this atmosphere and we declare that you're true. We declare that you're holy. We declare that you are governing all things. And although we may 
feel a prison, although we may feel that discouragement, although we may feel every lie, this, this morning we stand and we say that you're in control, God. You alone are Lord. We, we stand and declare that you can do all things this morning, God. We know that we're not being led by the arm of the flesh. It's not by might or by power, but by your spirit. Father, we draw this morning into you. We draw near to you. We thank you that we're changed in your presence, that we hand you, come on, we hand you our dreams, we hand you our promises, and God, we rest on the fact that you know. The Bible says you hover over your word willing to perform it. God, this morning, we hand you our dream, we hand you our words, we hand you our promise, God. You are in control. We're not moved by what we see this morning. We're moved by what we believe. So, God, we receive that promise of healing. We receive that promise of restoration. We know that you're moving on this earth, and, God, we're going to be a part of it. We know that your spirit is moving in New England. Every word that you have spoken over this land, you're going to make it come to pass. God, all along this coastline, every vision every tribe and tongue for all these states in the northeast god you are going to move in this land in a mighty way we 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 stand on those promises in our hearts in our marriages in our relationships god you're true in everything you've called us to in our workplaces god every ounce of conflict you make well and lord we we remove ourselves from the prison in our mind and we say that you're good Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Jesus. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Come on, declare it. Declare it this morning.
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We declare this morning that he that has began a good work in us, come on now, is faithful to complete it. Come on. It's so, it's so encouraging to know that we're not the architect of this thing. That God, by design, knows your steps. He knows what you're going to eat today. He knows who you're going to encounter this week. And God, we take full joy in knowing that you're, you're governing all things. God, that our steps are ordered by you. That nothing just happens. God, we take comfort this morning in knowing that you are the author, but you're also the great finisher of our faith. So God, we trust you this morning. That you're not just the author, you're the finisher. You began a work in us and you're going to finish it. What you started, you complete. So God, we give it to you. We give it to you, God. We give it to you, God. We surrender. We surrender. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do is surrender. Surrender. We surrender our dreams, our plans, our agenda. We surrender to you, Jesus. We surrender the right to know. Come on now. The Lord is asking you to trust him beyond your level of understanding. We relinquish the right to know. We relinquish the right to be in control. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you. We don't just trust you when it feels right. We don't just trust you when we're baptized in Jesus in the, in, in the Jordan. God, we trust you now. We trust you without all the answers. Because we stand this morning on the one that we know is true. And I'm telling you this morning, every dream that God has put in your heart is going to come to pass. Every word that he's promised you will be fulfilled. You hear me, church. I'm telling you. You hear me, visitors. Every word that God has spoken to you is going to come to pass. Every word he's spoken is going to come true. You don't need permission. The author lives in you. You don't need permission. He's going to have his way. He's going to ignite those dreams again. He's going to burn a fire on the inside of you. Jesus, you're the way maker, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We receive hope. We receive hope. We receive faith for the promise. We receive hope, God. I keep hearing the word hope deferred makes the heart sick. And one of the things that happened to John when he was in prison, he got depressed. And when you get depressed, you lose your hope. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over that spirit of depression, and I command it to release you in Jesus' name. Loose in Jesus' name. Come on, you need to give God praise. I felt a release in this room. Thank you, Lord. 
Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The Bible says when desire is realized, it becomes a tree of life. So, Father, we open our eyes to what you have for us. God, that we would desire what you desire. We thank you that that depression is broken. We thank you that that cloud is broken, God. And we receive that hope. We receive that joy restored. And God, as we go this morning, we thank you that our steps are ordered by you. There is not any accidents. That phone call is not going to surprise us. That that conversation on our job isn't going to take us by storm. Give us grace for family. God, our church family, our children. God, we go into this week depression-free, cloud-free, receiving hope, standing on truth, and knowing that you are the one that makes all promises come true. Father, we thank you for this this morning. We thank you, God, for our hearts being ablaze in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. What a powerful morning. Thank you, Lord. I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.